Winston, you need to stop putting your claw in the fucking electrical socket. Don't do it, Winston. Winston, no! Welcome to the Skiffing Fanny Show's new live show, SNF Clacks! Tonight, the Council of Dungeons and Dragons confirms that identity is complicated. You can nominate for the Hugos if you're willing to wait in line. And we pay respects to a shining woman in the field. I'm Sean. I'm Brandon. I'm Paul. And I'm Trish. And on today's show, as suggested, we will talk about some of the recent news about the D&D Creator Summit probably in semi-brief, the new Shangju Worldcon shenanigans, of which there have been a handful, and I guess what would be some less than happy news from fandom, and maybe some of your live questions if you're on the Twitch right now. Mm-hmm. So if you have a weird question you'd like us to answer, this is the time to ask. Uh, but before we get into uh, tonight's clacks, uh, a reminder to everyone here that there will be a live Twitch Cinema episode this month on April 22nd at 7 p.m. Central, right here on this Twitch right here, twitch.tv slash Skiffy and Fanti. Uh, we don't know what movie we're watching yet. I imagine we've gotten closer to knowing what movie it is yet, but I'm not on this Twitch Cinema team. Uh, but as soon as the poll has been uh, made available... <laughs> um, you will get the opportunity just read to... what's in the script. Yeah, I just read the script. I'm like, what the hell is going on in the script? Um, so apparently, apparently the subtitle for the poll that will be made available is, according to the script, Jared Butler's Trash. Um, so I'm curious what that's going to mean. I guess that means Gamer is going to be on the list, which I hope wins. But yeah, so yes, when that poll is available, you will get to vote for what movie will you, uh, the team will be watching for Twitch the Cinema. And then you get to join them on the Twitch channel for that thing to happen. So join the Patreon so you can vote in that poll. Uh, and that Patreon, again, remind all the lovely people what that Patreon is, Sean. Oh, yeah, that would be a, that would be me. Yeah, that would be uh, I'm pretty sure it's patreon.com slash Skiffy and Fanty. Mm-hmm. That, that so- is where it occurs. So if you are not on the Patreon, uh, check out the Patreon because cooler stuff are happening on the Patreon as well. And you'll miss them if you're not on the Patreon. But it also means that you get to vote for Twitch Cinema, which is also really rad. So do that. Someone's typing in the script as we speak. Oh, Lord. So uh, I am now adding really quick. <laughs> I'm going to add a new thing into the script because this person is grumpy about not being in the script. So everybody bear with me while you listen to me clackety clack while I add a new thing in the script. Mm hmm. Technically, this is also why we call it the clacks, because you get to witness us modify the document on a regular basis. (laughs) I pulled a Paul and I did some clackety clack. And now Paul has a thing to say in the script before Trish says the thing that Trish has listed in the script. So why don't we just move on to Trish's thing? I apologize. I just felt left out. I wrote that special just for you. Trish, please continue. And we'll just we'll just take that as a as a joke. We will circle back to Paul, but uh, we also want to hear from you as well as hearing from Paul when when he gets himself together. If you're here live or listening at home, please go to skippyandfanty.com slash listener suggestions and share your thoughts, questions, and topic suggestions. 
SNF Clacks in particular relies on feedback from our listens, listeners. So send your thoughts and, th- and questions in, nerds, and we will do our best to answer What them. a sassy nerds that was. <laughs> nerds. <laughs> I am also a nerd. <laughs> well, okay. So we've got topics of discussion. Um, so there was a D&D Creator Summit fairly recently here, and there has mm-hmm. been news out of it. Um, I believe it was April 4th, April 5th? Very recent. I can't remember. I believe the summit itself was the third, and okay. news is only now coming out from it, if I'm not mistaken. It was over the weekend. Yeah, April 3rd, because Daniel Kwan wrote about it and wrote about it within 24 hours of the end of the summit, so it must have occurred on the third. In any case, uh, there is a lot to unpack because there were many events in this mm-hmm. summit. This was intended as a meetup between Wizards of the Coast teams various teams and uh, members of the creative community relatively broadly defined, mm-hmm. including third-party creators, uh, people making actual plays, uh, cultural consultants, and other folks. So there's a lot to uncover. So where would we like to start? Um, so, I mean, I feel like a very useful place to start in brief is the context as to why the Creator Summit happened in the first place, which is in the shadow of the backlash to a lot of the 1D&D news, um, there was this presumption, at least among creators, that the Creator Summit is an an opportunity to publicly backpedal from some of the worst things that were happening in the conversation about 1D&D and how uh, D&D as a platform was uh, being modified. And that gave them the opportunity to decide that they were going to bring people into the conversation as much as possible um which is the uh impetus for the creator summit there were some like brief conversations during the lead up to the summit and at the summit itself um i think uh daniel kwan in uh that post or some other people in some other posts also mentioned as well that the dnd team said explicitly that this was supposed to be the dry run for a future larger event um, where uh, the Wizards folks would speak more heavily about how D&D is attempting to evolve as a platform. Um, So a lot of the conversation is about how is D&D going to look in the future based on the assumptions that we were making about one D&D several months before. Um, So a lot of the conversation was about what will D&D do to alleviate some of the concerns that folks had about one D&D. Um, and I feel like based on that conversation, um, what we eventually learn is there are some things that Wizards of the Coast were thinking about as valuable in that conversation. And there were some things that they were still ultimately very blindsided by as uh, Quan reveals um, in this uh, medium post, in this Substack post. Uh, uh, after the event. Yes. I think it's very telling that as far as I can tell, uh, the meeting was set up very, very top down. <clears throat> uh, comments were and questions were originally from just the general audience, I think were originally relegated to a half hour or something like that. And it took an organized, uh, uh, loud <laughs> group of voices to 
get more than that uh, uh, to be able to actually, because most of them had most, many, many attendees had been under the impression that if they attended this meeting, they would get to express their concerns. And there's no way to do that with a lot of attendees in half an hour. So uh, apparently they did get to speak longer than that and and have their say, which I am very glad that at least that much progress was made rather than just, no, we're sticking to the schedule. Send us your comments later. (laughs) Yeah. So I know they had some technical difficulties, which I I like that you use the phrase dry run, Trish, which is a fair point because the the, the Daniel Kwan, et cetera, has noted that, that they specifically said they wanted to do this again in some capacity later on and they wanted this to not be a one-off thing this is a a direct quote the daniel kwan list which i think is important so hopefully they will be doing more events i think other ttrpg companies should also be looking into doing some variations on this because i think having communication with your third-party creators and uh i mean this is very top down so high level uh, players and and DMs and so on is actually a really smart idea, um, especially since you can get some sense of what concerns players have by the questions they're going to ask, which this this event clearly laid out with many of the questions that were raised. I know that in particular, there were concerns about how do we make this new D&D Beyond or what is previously referred to as one D&D, how does one make that inclusive? which is a complicated question because that includes many, many, many different things. And there's a great quote in here that Daniel Kwan has where, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I can't, re- I can't recall exactly where it is in the Substack. but essentially like we're going to do everything we possibly can with the recognition. We can't unexclude everyone <laughs> because realistically that's, that's a very difficult thing to catch literally everyone. So there's a sort of admission of, we're going to attempt this thing we know we're going to fail at anyway, which is a hell of a shift from where we were not too long ago with <laughs> the OGL. So I'll give them some credit there. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, they've got some of the message I- with regards to how the community, how important the community is to this conversation, whether that's going to translate into actual action. I, I mean, that's still somewhat left to be seen. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> a lot obviously is happening in this uh, uh, conversation about the event because it opens by acknowledging that the virtual content of the event kind of mechanically fell apart. Um, yeah. That the opening remarks had technical issues, that there were some sessions that not all participants could have um, actively engaged with because of other, which I presume was also because of other technical issues. Um, And that ultimately there were some questions that have been regularly occurring questions in um, the D&D creative space that it, at, at least from the tone that is present in the piece, I get the impression they were not prepared to answer or were otherwise like very confused by like one of the um, recurring parts of the conversation that uh, has been documented elsewhere by uh, other, attend- uh, other attendees of the summit or in the larger conversation about the summit after it's been closed is how D&D is attempting to transition away 
from race language in rules text yep. um, in ways that imply that they are thinking about it, like like thinking that they are and have been thinking very deeply about resolving this for quite some time. Um, and that led to making some decisions um, fairly recently. December. That uh, were also very uh, complicated at that point in time, but that they haven't resolved that conflict yet in ways that are still um, potentially alienating to the community. Right. You're, you're talking specifically over the language, over what we refer to the different, I don't even know what language to use to refer to them at this point, because previously they referred to as races. Uh, but now there's a uh, an issue to move away from race as, a, as the terminology we're using and as a concept to something else. And species was the term they landed on in, I believe, December. And they seemed to suggest in the uh, the summit that they were reviewing that to see if that's actually where they want to land. And I feel like there's to some degree their their caginess about some of their answers. And there's mo a moment in here where they say almost explicitly, like they know no matter what decision they make, they're going to get ripped to shreds by mm -hmm. someone. I, I, yeah, I, I mean, just, just just the hint that they might change it from races caused a certain segment of the population to lose their um, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, you're taking away the tradition of D&D. Yeah. Because there is another thing that is particularly rising up people who were not at the summit. And it's a specific community of people, to be sure, um, who I suspect can't read or are willingly refusing to read because some because daniel kwan mentions uh in his breakdown that uh jeremy crawford uh stated specifically during the um creator summit that even though they're not replacing these two uh species options in the uh, future revised edition of whatever D&D &D will look like in the future, there will not be half-elves or half-elves half or half-orcs. Um, and everybody's assuming that to mean, because he specifically speaks during the Creator Summit about the, the obviously racist implications of how that is framed uh, as an identity in the rules of the book. And everybody's assuming that's Jeremy going, Oh, so half elves are racist now? They're removing this. All he said was, "It's not going to be in the core book of whatever we make in the future," and leaving room for the implication that at some point, mixed heritage features will be a thing that is uh, specifically negotiated through rules that you get to decide how you are mixed in a way that yeah. is more fluid and more dynamic, which is actually cooler. And everybody yes. is missing that part because they want to get yeah. mad. They want to find a culture war thing to get mad about. And it's, it's particularly mm -hmm. frustrating. So you are right. They knew that they were going to dig a hole one way or the other. And they, they had an opportunity to decide where they wanted the hole to go. <laughs> well, yes, they, they obviously decided they wanted the hole to go to the more toxic sides of fandom. But no matter the turn, if they choose species, they're going to run into a, a different hull with a different side of fandom because species is also considered by certain members of the community to also be quite controversial. Species is not the word. Unfortunately, like as a, as a gamer, I can say Pathfinder has the language. 
And that means that D&D can't use the language because it's now Pathfinder-specific language. Yeah. They, they want to differentiate. Yeah. Well, yeah, you, you, you know, because it'll look like you're just aping from Pathfinder and that's not yeah. what they want. Yeah. Even if, even if it's good language, it's like, it's like but they, they're kind of, um, they've kind of claimed and used and bolstered that language. You keep taking that language. I, I, I mean, they could, but I mean, I don't think Pathfinder is copyrighted or trademarked it, or maybe they have for all I know. But if they haven't, then it just looks like they're right. copying it. And D&D is the, core role-playing game in the world you're not going to 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 take from something else you know it's kind of like america america can't learn from any other country because america is the best country in the world the same sort of uh same sort of philosophy and mindset that we're the best so we're not going to learn from anybody or anything else i mean the fact they had the summit is promising because the the trash fire that was the original intentions was a mess but We'll, we'll see how much they actually incorporate what they've learned and listened. To some degree, that's that's kind of already on offer because it's clear that from some of the answers, they are talking to some people. Uh, it's unclear to me who, but I would guess I wouldn't expect yeah. at the summit for them to declare who all the people are. Uh, it possibly for safety reasons, because some individuals were there somewhat secretly because they faced troll brigades online uh, over their efforts to improve certain aspects of inclusivity within the the realm of D&D in general. But but it does seem that they're in conversations about how to be culturally more sensitive. It seems unlikely that they the monk thing that they mentioned, which I thought was actually quite interesting. Changing from key to spirit points, you mean, for example? Yeah, that would be part of it, but also moving away from all all, uh, classes having any specific sort of obvious racial stereotype or, or U.S. ethnic, or Amer- sorry, not U.S., uh, uh, human world uh, ethnic stereotypes, I should say, because the monk has sort of, well, it's been, it's been criticized, I think, rightly so for being an Asian stereotype, being Orientalist in nature. And their, their implication here is that what they're going to do is they're going to say, no, all of these different classes can be all sorts of different things so that when you get to the monk, the monk doesn't come across as that's the Asian one. It comes across as the monk is a thing with a very specific function. And then on top of that, it seems like they're they're. I, I hope this is the case. They're you're going to expand what the monk even means, because if you think about it, like monk already by default, the, the assumption that monk is just like an Asian thing is already kind of absurd because there are monks throughout history and, and dozens and dozens and dozens of cultures. Uh, and you could have a lot of different interpretations of essentially warrior monks across a variety of cultures that aren't just like, you know, Shaolin monks, basically. I mean, you could, if you stretch the definitions, you could sort of think of the Knights Templar as monks, warrior, uh, yeah. well, not priests exactly, but yeah. clerical sort of. Yeah, yeah things people whatever so i feel like i feel like monk is the part where they will encounter the most like work to do because mm-hmm. a lot of the complication with dnd as a product is a lot of these characters are obviously stereotypical like when you look at a cleric you know where that image is coming from when you know when you look mm-hmm. at a barbarian you know where that image is coming from mm-hmm. And all of those are still obviously racial or ethnic as well in their relationship to fantasy as well. Like 
barbarian is called barbarian for an ethnic reason. Um, and I feel like doing the work to deviate those things from those stereotypes, while very possible, requires a great deal of awareness. Like, how do you make the monk look Jesuit as a class? Mm-hmm. You have to now think about that. You now have to think about how to deliberately remove, either remove it from a stereotype or have those class features be so broad and uh, deliberate that you can see where they go in any direction. And that is a kind of work that yeah. can only be done when you're prepared to stop looking from that specific ethnocentric lens. Um, and I feel like that's going to require a wealth of cultural consultants um so we're probably looking at a book that's probably gonna have a lot of writers which i'm very excited for to be sure uh because it's gonna require some work yeah which maybe they they're gonna do who knows yeah i mean what's i suppose the worst case scenario is we have another ogl moment (laughs) 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 which they even admit was like a glorious mistake (laughs) to say the least no glory in that to say the least. Well, there was not glory. That's a fair point. I just want to be able to play a game of D&D where when I pick monk, I can obviously be a Trappist monk. You want to make beer? I want to make beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you want to be a monk on the planet Trappist? <laughs> Paul. What? Trappist has planets? Yes, but pick the planet. Give me a number, please. Trappist six. I will accept the sensor. Does it go up to six? Are there? I, I'll accept it. Okay. Hold, uh, how many planets in trappist seven there are seven <laughs> earth-sized planets supposedly nice. see so see i'm i i'm 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 perfect i'm i'm good here we go here we go i'm on the wikipedia page for you all uh it has seven known planets yeah that's it that's only seven that's it no it's known so far anyway yeah they just are affectionately named after letters in the alphabet currently currently I don't know. That seems kind of boring. Maybe name them, give them something cool. Like one call one of them, Frank and like, you know, like name it after cool stuff. Um, I mean, name, the name, I mean, if, oh God, we're way off topic. If we ever got interstellar policies and civilizations and we probably own ever will, the naming of planets and solar systems would be a whole art form. I, I mean, I recall in dear God, help us all in, uh, in the demon princes of whole solar system, got renamed because of a clerical of, of, of a clerical not clerical error but a, but basically a file clerk changed the names from what they were explorer found to what he thought was fine and those names stuck so the explorer came up with all these names but the clerk that took the took the names back at the home office of earth just changed them all and those are the names that they got that's kind of fun i guess <laughs> it is very fun the, the explorer of course is it was shocked and shocked and unhappy but by that time people were using the uh the clerical name so he was he was out of luck well there you go I, I read an interesting science fiction book now i'm trying to remember the name of it but uh basically there there people were exploring a planet and they had been told very firmly by the home office not to name any of the features that they found after anyone in the exploratory party and someone deliberately did that to distract the home office's attention you know there was a woman in the party named crystal and they found a great waterfall and named it crystal falls 
deliberately in order to distract the home office from something else that they were trying to uh, uh, cover, you know, trying to protect the the indigenes that they found or something like that. I can't remember who it was. It might have been CJ Cherry, maybe. Maybe. Cool. Sorry, can't remember the actual book. Well, do we have any other thoughts about this D&D thing? Carturo has a lot of thoughts in chat. Carturo has lots of thoughts. True. Carturo has said in chat, thus, not really a fan of uh, saving the concept of the monk. The barbarian Carturo, or the paladin. Yeah, well, there's, there's, that's true. Uh, Carturo says, the thing is, if you make a decaffeinated monk without any specific cultural flavor, what you get is a fighter subclass, which it should have been all, all along. I don't know if I, I don't quite agree. Ah, so... Um, the hand-to-hand combat specialist, I guess. But it's with a religious component or a, a spiritual component, I should say. Yeah. So to actually answer this question, uh, one of the other things that was mentioned in uh, the uh, session, in the session of the summit where Crawford and the rest of the actual design team spoke, uh, according to uh, Quan's substack, the next uh, Unearthed Arcana a barbarian fighter and monk will have new weapon options. They're introducing a new feature called weapon mastery um, properties and an existing mechanic in a weapon that require a class feature to unlock. These are designed to make weapon usage combat more nuanced. Mastery will exist alongside the existing properties. This is a welcome change and, and enables people to try out new combos between characters. So I feel like the thing that they're going for is because stripped of very specific kinds of cultural flavors all of those things are just fighters um in an attempt to reconcile resolving those uh flavor mishaps with making those uh characters more in depth they're trying to think more deeply about how these characters fight full stop in a way that interacts with um class feet that will interact with class features and other feats uh, in ways that will make it possible for everybody to just be able to fight while making the ways barbarians, fighters, and monks fight more deliberate without being more ethnic, if that makes sense. And I'm curious to see what that looks like, because mm-hmm. it's easy to say that's your intention, but I'm curious. One of the other things that uh, Quan mentions that I'm particularly hype about is that one of the mastery properties uh, is the ability to graze opponents. So even if you miss, you still do damage. <laughs> yes, please. That could be fine. Yes, please. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to be. I would like to be below my opponent's DC and still at least do one hit. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a that's a thirteenth age thing. I would like to chip damage my opponents because I will just become Wolverine in every D&D campaign I yeah. can ever be at that point because I'll always do damage. Yeah, m- m- miss damage is something at 13th age, which is a D&D, which is, which is parallel to D&D uh, done by my friends over at Pelgrim Flip Press. They have miss damages on most, most things that fighters can do. So they always can like chip away even if they miss. Oh. Unless a Creature has an ability where they're immune to miss damage. Otherwise, yeah, they can just like chip, 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 chip. And so you at least feel there's something more to the action economy, like whiff, whiff, whiff. And that's less fun than being able to actually make small forward progress and then bring the hammer, as it were. Paul, a quick question. You said your friends at Pelagrain Press 
<laughs> As um, Trish will mention, when I went to uh, when I went to the Pelgrim booth at Gen Con last year, they all know who I was. Okay, so there's no TTRPG publisher that knows who I am, Paul. But you know, an entire <laughs> publisher's booth at a major gaming convention was like, "Oh, that's Paul Weimer. He's famous." Yeah, they, 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 and Pelgrim is a big deal. They make yeah. guys. Yes, they, yes, they do. Yes, yes, they do. They make ni- nice black agent, nice black agents, and esoterists. You're, you're, if if they know you, you're yeah. a big deal. You're a bigger deal than the what? rest of Why us. Why am I talking about this. any of this? Like, I should have just been like, let y'all talk because the hell do I know? We're apparently in the the face of of like role playing royalty at this point. I'm virtually famous. Yes, that's correct, Emily. The I mean, for heaven's sakes, you went to an Amber RPG diceless role-playing game conference and ran multiple ses- separate sessions. Yeah, I didn't go this year, but I could have. You nerd. Yeah. You get seven trillion points, Paul. You may immediately spend Ooh. them in the arcade gift shop. Wow. I interject <laughs> to point out another thing that Kurturo mentions in chat that I did not know had already happened. The first draft of the ORC was published yes. today. By Paizo. Unfortunately, we don't have time to yeah. obviously read and go over it, but <laughs> if we knew this four hours ago, it would have been already we would have been <laughs> ready for this in the class. So I guess this is have to be a future conversation. But I'm very excited to see what this looks like. In part because it being er- it being irrevocable means that technically any language in it could potentially be in a next in a future dnd although i I highly doubt that wizards would do that but because it would be free to use that would potentially give them the language that solves problems like their race versus species Mm -hmm. problem and i'm hopeful to see it become wide and unproblematic enough that it becomes just the standard for language whereby any future ground up RPG um, in the SFF genre just uses that language instead of attempting to make up their own. Um, so I'm very excited to look at that in the future, Carturo. Thank you yeah, for sharing indeed. that. I think, I think that's just the license mm-hmm. and not the actual place up, but it's actual license as to no, yeah, it's the license itself, but it means right. Ah, right, yes, it wouldn't have. Well, it um, might... I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the PDF right now. Yeah, it's just the basic license license as to what you can do. Well, but we can we can deal with the particulars. Yeah, like we, we can yeah. worry right, about yes. how wrong Brandon is later. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell. Oh. Uh, nice. So the second yes. subject we have for today is the uh, the status of the Hugo Awards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> Hugo Awards are are meant to be nominations. Okay, the cat has done with me now. Uh, nominations are supposed to be in the end of this month. Yeah, end of April or end of May. Uh, April, I think. I don't even know anymore. At this point, they could say Hugo nominations are perpetually open until the end of time, and I would just be like, okay, like because I don't even know. So. Regardless, uh, there's meant to close relatively soon from the moment of this recording, which is on April 7th. And the Shangju Worldcon, uh, April 30th, Rainbow Warrior says in chat, thank you, Rainbow Warrior, you get 7,000 points. Thank you. Yes, 11.59 p.m. Hawaiian time on April 30th, 2023. Quite a lot of time. So 
The Worldcon, Shangju Worldcon, has had many difficulties in its efforts to put on what it hopes to be a wonderful event, uh, many of which we have addressed in some capacity or another at some point. But one of the big problems they've had recently has been the issue with keeping the Hugo nomination process functioning and then uh, accessible and sometimes both at the same time. <laughs> so I, I, I just feel dead inside. <laughs> about, like, I'm just so tired. Like, I get these folks are trying their best, but like, I just, I don't understand. So I, don't understand. I would like to ask, because I'm sure at least someone else has seen what these complications might be up, up to this point. Or at least heard more conversation about it. Might I ask exactly what the physical issue is at this point? No idea. I haven't even tried to log in because every time I think about doing it, I get an email saying it's not working. Yeah, I just try. I just, I just tried my. I just tried to do it and did not work out well. I just tried to, even as we speak here, and I could not get it to work. Okay. I, I, yeah, I just. So. Yeah, I honestly haven't tried at all yet because of the problems I've heard about and because April is very busy for me. I have to get taxes done and edits done on a, a couple of projects before I do this, which, you know, much as I enjoy and love it is is not my yeah. work life. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. Some people have had no issues. Other people have had lots of issues. It just seems to kind of go either direction. And yeah, the communication has been marginally better from where it was earlier in this whole enterprise, but even still, the amount of technical difficulties that I keep hearing people have, it's really worrisome because, frankly, folks like Trish, as correctly pointed out, you might make your ballot and then you might have, like set up a time to go do it, and that might be the only time you really have to do it. And now you have to find another time to do it when you hope that it'll be working. And if it's not working, you can't really put the ballot in. Not to mention, that's really putting off a lot of people that may think that it's broken. And every time they go in, if it's still broken, they may not come back. And it's just, it's sad. I don't know what's going on. Winston, you need to stop putting your claw in the fucking electrical socket. Winston, no! Stop. Don't do it, Winston. (laughs) I swear, I swear. I'm not ignoring you. You were up here a minute ago. You had me all to yourself. You could have done anything you wanted. You could just sat here and laid down, have a cuddle. You could have sat up on top of there. You could have like talked into the microphone and let everybody know your opinions about the Shangju World Concierge Awards problem. But did you do that? You didn't. You decided to go over there and put your fingers into the wall socket. You were old enough to know better, sir. All right, come here and get one more cuddle while everybody else talks about something other than me and my damn cat. So for people like me, probably don't wait till the last minute to get your nominations in, uh, you know, probably try to get it done before the 25th or something if you can, uh, because who knows if it'll be working the 26th through 30th. This is true. If, if, you, if, if, if you're a member of the Worldcon, you should do it sooner rather than later and try to work through the issues. I, I just tried to... The- a couple more times and I finally got I've gotten in. Can you put something in there? Put us in the fan cast category and see what happens. I'm going to do that. <laughs> put us in the category right now. See what happens, Paul. At least you'll get that one nomination for us, even though <laughs> we'll never win. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I have no hope left, Brandon. I live in America. 
Yeah, but you might get another shiny pin. <laughs> I have managed to save it. There you are. Yes, I have. I put in a nomination for Skiffy and Fancy. Awesome. But here's where we find out that Paul put it in the wrong category. Put us in for best novel. Oh, no, I did no, not. No. Would you like to see my screen? No, but I would just note that folks back home, uh, Skiffy Fan Show is now actually a novel released by Tor.com. It'll be out we uh, are August not. 2023. <laughs> uh, brand new Skiffy and Fancy Adventures is, is out. Yeah, so you're welcome. Tor.com, give us a call. <laughs> call us. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot to say about I this. Mean, it's just, it's it's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating. I hope they get their act together. Um, We've been saying that for like a year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I understand that to a lot of the folks running this, they're probably dealing with a lot of things we don't know about. There's probably some lack of experience there. There's some cultural differences that probably are affecting some aspects. Like, there's a lot of factors here. And they're under a lot of pressure because, frankly the conversation has not been great about this world con uh, for some very good reasons mm-hmm. and some reasons that are probably not entirely their fault, but like at some point, at some point, something has to go right for you guys. Come on. Yeah. I want this to work this part, at least this part, yeah. like yeah. open a Google form. Let's do that. <laughs> Cause like the part that I'm upset about, if this makes sense is this going poorly is obviously going to affect people's opinions about how and where Worldcon can be run. And we know this because that's happened before. Mm-hmm. And while technical issues yep. are mm-hmm. not, like in, of not anybody's like fault in any way and uh, can become complicated in multiple ways all the time, regardless of where it is run, there, there are biases at work in fandom that get in the way of probably, properly being able to assess that, um, that I would think would be mitigated by simply being as effective as possible. And it's already very intense to have to tell uh, communities that in the first place because it feels like admitting that you have to work twice as hard to get half the recognition in uh, fandom space. But at the end of the day, if we can't nominate that's going to frustrate a lot of people for whom their primary energy uh, for Worldcon is seeing the work that they love win awards. And they're going to look to take that yeah. out on someone for good or for ill. And it's going to end up being you and you don't deserve it. So I don't want it to happen. This is already going to happen. The, the, the conversation's already happening, whether people are saying it publicly or not. They are looking at this now and going, which places can actually run a world con that are not the tr- the typical possibilities, which would basically be parts of Europe where English is at least somewhat spoken, uh, England, Canada, the United States, New Zealand, New Zealand, Australia. Well, okay, the exception might be New Zealand, maybe Japan. Australia. Those may be criticized mostly for just how far away they are, perhaps, but but they would be given much more leeway. And one of two things is going to happen from that: either people are going to do the Basically, it's too foreign, and so we can't accept it, and so we we don't trust it because the last time it was a really foreign World one, it was con. bad. World con. <laughs> I know. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Or the other op- option is uh, they're they're going to react by being more 
<laughs> more demanding about upfront information from Worldcons. Now, of the two of those, the mm -hmm. latter is the better of the option because, frankly, we mm -hmm. should be in oh for all Worldcons equally. We should be demanding more information about how they're going to run their conventions and that they are capable of running it. And those questions need to be brought up in the public forums and they need to be addressed and they need to be publicly discussed, but they need to be universally discussed for all the Worldcon people. Yeah, not, not, not just a small amount of people in like in like a right. obscure room and at a Worldcon yeah. years behind it. I totally agree with the upfront information. Like for instance, uh, having accessibility hardwired into your bid instead of an app afterthought that kind of thing should also be included yeah. yep. is this world con accessible <laughs> i don't know i don't know yeah. either no don't know yeah my my, my point is sadly the last uh, the last three world cons where english was not the first language of the country one was japan which was in debt for years because things didn't go right one was helsinki which was a wonderful world kind. That's where I forgot to meet Brandon, and among other among other things, although they had issues with way too way too many people in the space, and now China. So people, I, I feel that a certain stratum of fans is going to say, no, we can't trust those people with our world con capital T capital O, and, um, and that'd be bad. That would be bad. That would be that would be a, a leap backwards to hmm. do that. If, if, if we wind up retreating from the internationality of Worldcon that we're trying yeah. to move towards. A great leap backwards. A great yeah. leap backwards. Yes. Thank you. It would be a great leap backwards, which is why I want people to not react by saying, oh, well, the two foreign ones. And by foreign, we just mean like places where English is not the primary language, primarily, especially outside of the traditional West. I don't want them to do that, where that's the excuse now. That's ah, too foreign. Can't do it. Uh, I would prefer that what we do is we start having more serious conversations about a how do we actually vet Worldcon hopefuls and b how do we make sure that resources are shared across Worldcons so that people in countries where Worldcon and con culture are not the same have that information and they can use that and have people to reach out to to get help. And yeah, I mean, there may be factors with the, the Shangdu Worldcon that are like more governmental. There's been some rumors suggesting that, which may be beyond anybody's control, including the people running this con. But that's not universal mm -hmm. right. for all cultural contexts. So there's that. Brandon, go. I want to follow up specifically on that and say, I wish more people would just go, what do you guys need right now? We keep forgetting in opportunities, like in situations specifically like this, where a lot of the process of the stage of Worldcon are seen as higher committee stuff that is over volunteer heads. It becomes difficult for us to continue to assess that this is a volunteer space where trading resources and trading information is how the work gets done in the first place. So if there is an institutional issue that can be resolved by uh, either gaining more knowledge or having more people with that knowledge volunteer even a fraction of their time to helping resolve that mm -hmm. issue, mm -hmm. I'd love for more of those people to go, hey, I can give you two hours to find out what the hell this problem is. Let's see if we could wrap this up so people could get into the thing. Well, I can tell you why, Brandon. This Worldcon has, has, I'm saying historically at this point, been extremely poor at communication. 
the person that I think has had the most communication with the people in charge of this world kind is Ben Yellow. But my understanding is that very few people who understand how world cons go have had much communication with this world con until fairly recently. Uh, and that efforts to provide support to this world con have in many cases not been met with not necessarily uh, denial, but have not been met with just in, any sort of acknowledgement at all. Now that's people telling that saying that's true. Maybe that isn't true, but I, I don't know what we don't have. I, I have no other information to go on other than what people who say they have tried to contact this Worldcon uh, and, and offered help have been met with, which is silence. Right. And that isn't necessarily rejection. It could be a variety th of things could from um, technological problems to, I don't know, government censorship of emails trying to reach out to these people. Who knows? We don't know because there's no communicate. There's very little communication. Yeah, and it, it does raise a question, which is like the 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 Chinese fandom has been trying to get a Worldcon for several years, and it is just unclear what's going on that is causing so many of the issues, because they've been in contact with the Worldcon community. I've seen them at Worldcons. They've hang out with people. They talk with people. They've had parties. So is it that it's a different mm -hmm. committee? Is it is it? There are pressures in in place that simply we don't know about and that they can't get away from. Are they government pressures? Are there restrictions and regulations that, frankly, most of us won't know anything about because it's probably all in Chinese? And let's be honest, nobody on this podcast reads Chinese. I don't know. But without having any information about what's going on, we're just left on the other side here to speculate. And it. It, it just it, it raises serious issues of confidence about whether or not this event is even going to go. I, mm -hmm. I still don't. I, I'm not convinced that they're going to run it when they said they're going to run it, which they've moved the date already. I'm not convinced they, that's going to happen. Maybe it will. But will it? I don't know. So it's sad because I, I don't know. Like this is, could be one of the coolest experiences, you know, to have a Chinese world con like that's that's phenomenal. That's amazing. The country with the largest circulating a science fiction magazine in the fucking world. I would still, I would still, at all, again, all of this still sucks, but I am leaning towards an event that's probably going to be just below par is going to happen, then it's not going to happen. You want to know why? Why? Because when, when a world con that is below par happens in an Anglophone, European, or Western country, we just see it as not the best world con. Mm -hmm. Rather than an indictment of the whole country being bad. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And while I, this is not me accusing anyone here of anything, I'd like us to stray away from the, the far more hostile assumptions that could possibly fall in this direction and just go, maybe this is going to be a world con that is not your top 10 world con, then... Uh, any of the potential alternatives, not because that makes this suck less, I want it to be resolved, but because I would love, even in the space of it not being resolved, that we still afford them the same kind of grace that we have regularly afforded every American Worldcon that has even the mildest similar issue. I mean, they they're already not going to get that from me to begin with because of who one of their guests of honor is, but mm -hmm. that's a separate yeah. I mean, issue. yes. Now, that is yes. a concern. And that, that we could go to bat about. 
because I'm still kind of confused. It kind of disappeared yeah. since the last time that happened. It's been a month that I didn't comment on it. I think we've already discussed that issue on class. Yes, we have. But that was literally yeah. a month ago and nothing has changed. Well, that's true. Very it's not true. going to. He's going to be guest of honor. Mm. Isn't he? Yeah. God. To what I would give to just go there and buy a pie somewhere. <laughs> just for the opening ceremonies. And buy a very large <laughs> slingshot. I, I will just say... I, I don't think that's a terribly great idea, Brandon, because uh, pr prison is not a fun place in general. So I hear I've never been, uh, you know, I, 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 I was offered a vacation once, but I declined. A vacation in prison? Yeah, no. Yeah. Noted. Duly noted, even. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's he's kind of a monstrous human. So but there is that. I don't know. Like. I hope I hope that it's just they just figure it out. Like at some point, everything just clicks into place and we can just forget all of this. And then we can go, wow, they got it all sorted. It was rough patch at the beginning. But you know what? They got it sorted. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. But mm -hmm. time yeah. will tell sooner or later. Time will tell. Uh, Rainbow War is asking in the chat if uh, uh, Sawyer has been uh, Robert J. Sawyer has been harassed over the being guest of honor because he's also guest of honor at the China World Con. Uh, I don't know that Sawyer has been addressed. He was at uh, Astronomicon in New York while I was there, uh, but it, it didn't really come up. And I only briefly had a conversation with him and it didn't seem, I, 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 it seemed to suggest to me that he was in poor health at that moment. And it didn't seem prudent to be like, let's add insult to injury by having mm -hmm. a very uncomfortable conversation right now. Yeah, I haven't heard of harassment as such. I'm not sure that I would have, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if several people haven't brought up the topic to him. It's possible. It's been brought to his attention. He's probably done some form of moral calculus about how to address it. But I don't know. Yeah. It did occur to me I haven't because I'm not familiar with uh, Soyo's work, to the best of my knowledge. So I wouldn't have made an assessment one way or the other, but I was very curious seeing that uh, he is the guest of honor with the least with the least consternation about his presence at uh, Chengdu Worldcon, whether anyone has at least asked him on social media about said moral calculus. Because I imagine that it would have occurred somewhere. That's that's always the kind of uh, calculation that each person, moral calculation, each person is going to have to make for themselves whether to uh, engage, um, you know, say what you believe is right, even while a horrible person is next to you saying what they think is right, whatever yeah, expedient. It, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Soya might be the. So I might be the guy at the opening ceremonies that opens by saying glory to Ukraine. Possibly. Right. right. Yeah. It's a possibility. I don't know. But yeah. So I, I would, I wouldn't say you shouldn't go to this con because of that. You know, I am thinking, should I support this money with any con because of this? You but, mean support uh, this con with any money? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> support this money with any con. I'm sorry. Yes. 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 Um, <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's 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 one reason, you know, I can I can nominate just as a uh, uh, member of um, the last world yeah. con. But in order to vote for finalists, I would have to give them money. And I haven't 
decided whether I want to do that yet mm. or not. That is definitely part of the moral calculus. I did hear an idea that uh, was on a panel at uh, Capricorn, which I don't think you, Trish and, and Paul, you came to that panel. But the person on the panel that was moderating was talking, you were talking about like, how do you deal with problematic people, basically, among other subjects. And the thing that they brought up was the issue of moral offsets, which is the idea that, um, you know, we, we kind of all recognize you can't ethically really engage ethically in capitalism. There's no ethical consumption. Any choice you make with consuming in somewhere down the line is hurting someone or some some living being. And so you're kind of stuck. So what do you do when you know you're engaged in some form of thing that is in some way causing harm? Well, you try to do the same level of effort on something that is causing positive vibes. So say you buy a game that is buy a studio that has some problematic behavior. Great. Well, then maybe you send a little bit of money to a creator of games who you know makes stuff from an ethical foundation that you agree with. You give them the same amount of money and like to support their game design. And the idea being that it, it's not a one-to-one, -one, but it, it helps to offset the, the harm that's being done. I'm not 100% convinced of this idea uh, in the sense that I think it gives license for people to, too much license for people to go do things they know is morally wrong uh, in terms of consumption, um, just by saying, but I did a, a moral good, it's so a, it's a, fine. Yeah, it's, a, yeah it's, it's like buying indulgences. Yeah, like, yeah. How many trees can I plant in order to continue poisoning the ozone layer? Yes, exactly. Yeah, to some degree so, that. And, and there's also just dealing with the fact that when you're doing moral offsets, you, you may at times be supporting work by people who are actively harming others. And your positive contribution doesn't undo the harm to that person that's been harmed. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I understand as a way of trying to deal with the murky territory I don't know that that gives us a good framework for dealing with the issue that Shang Tu has right now, which is what Trish, you phrased, but it's an idea to at least think about that helps maybe to put in your mind as you're thinking about how you met, uh, what, uh, measure all of this. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause there is a thing in a con sense, and this is a kind of answer to a question that Rainbow Warriors have no one put in the chat. Um, I have a controversial question. If Babel gets nominated, mm. is that a big deal? I think the answer to this question is yes. I haven't read it yet. Mm -hmm. So yes. yes. Paul has read it. It's on my TBR. Okay. It's on my TBR. I'm very slowly working through it. I've discovered post-pandemic that my brain is foggy. Paul actually has read it. I think he's the only one of us who has. So I've read it and reviewed it. Okay, mm -hmm. Paul, quick, quick Cliff Notes version. Is that a controversial? Is that going to be a big deal? And why? It, 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 it is unapologetically anti-imperialist and throws, throws the whole project of British imperialism right in its face. You're going back to the opium war. So, yeah, it's, it's like it gives no fucks. Pardon my language. Okay, got it. So it would be a big deal in the sense that an aspect of the community would take issue with its politics. Oh, yes. It. Okay. That would be different than some of the suggestions in the chat of wearing a free Tibet shirt, which may run into other problems. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we, we 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 like you, Juan. We don't want you to get arrested at a world con in China, please. Right, very nope. nice guy. Yeah, uh, but like uh, it, this kind of like briefly touches on another thing that I think is particularly valuable, only from only from a safe vantage point for the people who actually value this kind of work. But having a world con in China means that this event 
for the for some degree of the question of safety is technically sacred and what i mean by that is barring not being physically present because you never know what's going to happen after the event that you were just at if your work is nominated for hugo and you take your speech moment to challenge politics as, as folks have done in the last two or three uh, Hugo Award ceremonies. No one can stop you. If China says they're gonna cut the Hugo feed, that's China getting in the way of Worldcon. That's not Worldcon's fault. Mm -hmm. But there is also a mandate for them not to because they said they're proud to have a Worldcon. Why would they prevent writers whose job it is to speak their mind through art? from speaking their mind about their art and their artistic integrity in this space. I would like dozens of people to take advantage of that opportunity in that space. It is not for everybody. This is not me telling anyone you have a moral mandate to go to the Hugo's and this is me saying, if you're already going to appear via Zoom and know that no one has vetted your speech, this is a moment for you to radically upend some of the assumptions that uh, are made about the political alignment between Worldcon and its nation, uh, nation host in a way that is hopefully revealing of SFF's genuinely radical nature to speak truth to political power. So I, I get exactly what you're saying, Brandon. And this is a thing that I, I want to I, I want people to think about, which is we do not yet know the exact relationship this convention may have to the Chinese government. And any mm -hmm. decision you make on a virtual panel or virtual moment at this world, assuming there's a virtual trek uh, and that you're able to participate. They have said there will be. OK, yeah. So or whatever that's worth. You may speak there. And you, the worst thing that could happen to you is, I suppose you would get kicked out, banned. You might never be able to visit China ever. Maybe it's like the absolute worst if you're at home. On a virtual panel. On a virtual panel. You're saying if you say, mm -hmm. yeah. right, okay. Yeah. But mm -hmm. the consequences for the people running the event may yeah. not be. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's absolutely what would happen. Because again, I, I don't know how much the Chinese government is going to be monitoring this event. It may be that they just go, whatever, let the nerds do their nerd thing. It's fine. And they just kind of let it happen. But I will note that there is a person who has given a very incendiary speech at a Hugo Award ceremony after winning a Hugo Award mm -hmm. that they were able to make because they were in a context where, uh, admittedly, the worst thing that happened to them was still not nice, which is, you know, a lot of trolling and people being very angry and, and screaming about it and, and yelling and calling her names. But the consequences that could exist for the people at this event could mean life changing consequences. Yes. And I don't want us to take that lightly, even as we recognize there may be some political value in still saying it because it's a moment when we do get to speak in that place where mm -hmm. people often don't get to speak at all. I'm trying to moderate here. Trying to be cautious because yeah. I I don't want any I I just I don't want us over here to get any I don't I don't want anyone to get hurt I just really don't mm -hmm. like I bet some of these Chinese fans like they're they're fucking nerds like they just wanted to put on a cool event and I really want them to right. have that but at 
they're also in a fucked situation. <laughs> also, let's be real. We could be at war with China before this world gone. Oh, bite your tongue. <laughs> oh, my God. They're already battering about Taiwan right now. I'm supposed to fly through Someone there Someone please knock on wood very yeah. quickly. Someone please knock on wood yeah. very quickly. There you go. But Rainbow Warrior does make a note here, which is, I think, worth saying, which is that uh, it, uh, Rainbow Warrior is quoting Jeanette Ng, which is to say that the Chinese government will try to get as much goodwill as they can get from Worldcon. So they may do nothing. They may let people kind of speak their minds within some degree of reason and just kind of just let Maybe. it go. Could we're a small, we're a small event for China. Like it's not like a Marvel movie, you know, where there's there's potentially hundreds of millions of dollars on the line. We're a Worldcon. Like let's let's be real. If if China's lucky, they'll make three dollars off us. <laughs> so yeah, but there's a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. Look, there's a lot we could we could say. I'm sure more stuff will come out of this. At the end, I think we all agree we would like this Worldcon to. Whatever's going on, like all the things click into place and they get get moving in the right track and everything runs smoothly from now on because that would be nice. But Paul did share with us a bit of somber news. Somber news, yes. Wait, first, well, just before we leave Worldcon entirely, I'd like to repeat Configuration Queen's comment that uh, they'd like to encourage prolific posters who would like to be nominated to pin examples of their work on Twitter or Mastodon to the top of their profiles so that people who want to nominate them don't have to work to track down examples to uh, put on their nomination forms. That's a good idea for anyone who thinks they might get nominations. Well, that's a, that's a, that's a very good idea from the configuration queen. That I see why she's not just a duchess or a baroness. She's a queen of configuration. <laughs> Shameless plug Thank made by me in chat. <laughs> I guess this is this is a point where we probably make a highlight reel of the last year of Skiffy and Fanti so people know, hey, we did some yeah. cool stuff in 2022. We did like three things that were good. Yeah, so so I think uh, I think CQ is saying that uh for instance the Skiffy and Fanti Twitter should pin a link to a podcast that they think, you know, if you want to send in if you want to nominate us, here's this thing. That would be that would show that the show is nomination worthy, eligible. Awesome. Yeah. All right. I will uh, pin the 45 minute video of us burping. <laughs> oh, God. You all don't know that all last year I was collecting every video of y'all burping. It's Just a super, a super cut. cut. <laughs> Secret burps oh. from the Skiffy and Fanty crew. 45 oh, straight minutes. I oh, hate okay. the very concept of this. You're welcome. It's burp ASMR. I didn't know we were making things awkward pre-ending now. <laughs> anyway, okay, so Paul, the somber news, please uh, share with us what, what has happened today on the 7th. Author Rachel pa- Pollock, I found out news today. Author Rachel Pollock has passed away. Um, I th- Rachel Pollock is best known for a number of fantasy novels. Uh, comics fans will know that she did a run in the mid-90s in D.C. on Doom Patrol. She's She was very much into tarot cards and divination and designed and uh, created several decks. Um, so I remember reading her back. Um, she was, um, she basically was magical realism and urban fantasy before urban fantasy really was a thing around these parts. Um, her, her books were unapologetically queer in a time where queer novels and queer characters were not exactly that 
common. It's like so. So she was. She's been shortlisted for the Trip Tree Award for the Lambda Literary Award. Um, Unquenchable Fire won the the uh, Arthur C. Clarke Award. So I started reading her in the '90s because a friend told me I should read her work, and so I read Unquenchable Fire, which is a very interesting proto urban fantasy novel about um, 87 years after. Um, spiritual power and magic come back to the United States and polytheism and all sorts of things. And how does the, how does culture deal with that and deal with how the world has changed in the last 90 years? So her novels are provocative and interesting and been strong, been strongly aspected. And so I think she's a voice in science fiction who will be missed. Yeah. That is a a sad bit of news, but yeah, it's, it's great to share her work. And if folks want to check out her books, I'm sure you can find them in many places. But a little sad, sorry to say. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was not familiar with uh, Rachel Pollock's work. But now that I am, uh, unfortunately, uh, after her passing, I'm, I'm intrigued to discover more about her work. So thank you, I guess, for sharing that. I wish I had known sooner. Um, I am not a very well-read person, as I keep joking here, but... Well, now that that is is, is out, um, we're, we've kind of hit the end, folks. We're at the end of a show. Unless you have a last question, listeners in the chat, yeah. here's your chance. I, I, I also want to note that for reasons beyond human comprehension, it appears that we are all frozen on screen. Oh, no. No, we're not. Can you hear us? Can you hear us, Jack? No, I'm, you're not frozen for me. No, I see us in Harris. Oh, oh, I just hit stop. Oh, my hit stop. Oh, I hit stop instead of yeah. mute. <laughs> that explains. Okay, never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. User error strikes again. I appreciate the concern nonetheless, Paul. Uh, well, in any case, folks, so that's it for the clacks. It's, it's really great to have everybody here. So if you would like to let us know uh, what you thought about this episode. Uh, obviously, we've got a thing called the skiffingfandy.com slash listener suggestions where you can send comments, topic suggestions, other kinds of things. And if you'd like, we're at Skiffy and on all the places. Our link tree is slash Skiffy and Fanty, easy enough to find. We're on Mastodon, all that good stuff. You can get the newsletter at skiffingfanty.com slash newsletter. And if you like what we do, please go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty and give us like all of the money you have left. Um, and then leave five-star <laughs> reviews on iTunes and other podcatchers. For me, I'm easy enough to find. I am at SeanDuke.net. I am at Alphabet Streams on Twitch. I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. Paul is sometimes there with me. I'm at Patreon.com slash Factory, And I'm also on Mastodon and Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. All those places, Linktree slash SeanDuke. And you can find out about the histories one of the coolest projects that has ever existed on earth at seanduke.net slash the histories. You can find me, Brandon, on Twitter and Instagram at the rising tides. I have a newsletter that you can find at brandonobrian.xyz and you can find me over at speculatesf.com. You can find me, Paul Weimer, across the internet as Prince Justin, that's with a V, P-R-I-N-C-E-J-V-S-T-I-N. Um, I do book reviews. I sometimes stream with Sean. I share photography. I do all sorts of geeky things across the internet. You throw a rock and you'll find me because I'll, I'll scream in pain. Oh. So don't throw the rock. <laughs> Uh, you can find me, Trishy Matson, still on Twitter at P.E. Matson, on Mastodon at Trishy M at Newsy.social, or on my blog, which I need to update 
at www.whatstheword.now.blogspot.com. You can also very often find me hanging out as a moderator on Arvin Elrond's Twitch channel. And I will just note that he went live just a couple minutes ago. And, and you can also find me hanging out on Sean's Alphabet Streams <laughs> channel. As what? You are what? As a moderator. There too. Yes. <laughs> no, um, yes. <laughs> But if you feel like making the experiment again of trying to raid Arvin's channel, he just went live a little while ago. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, yeah, but, how do I do? Here, here we are trying to make uh, spaghetti. We have solved that. We have mechanically solved that problem. So you can do that now. But first, you need to okay, finish well, signing out. everybody. We're going <laughs> to try this and yeah. see what happens. So, But we need to finish signing out Hold first. the nipples. We got, I got it. You always tell me to hold my nipples. I don't know Whoa. what's with that. Well, you're getting excited, Paul. <laughs> uh, I apologize once again. I will show you. You're fine, Paul. You're fine. Well, anyway, um, yeah, so I got to make this awkward before we stop the recording button, and then we will try and attempt to raid with the folks that are live on stream. Um, I will just note that Paul is miming at this moment. Paul is miming that his lips are zipped. He's not going to say anything more. But he sewed them up in a very interesting way. Paul, <laughs> did you spend uh, part of your youth hanging around with ancient Roman uh, blood sewers? <laughs> yes, Sean. Yes, I did. <laughs> I actually heard about an interesting book about, about uh, weavers in the Near East today that i want to pick up so something's on my mind but you hung out with the blood sowers yes he's a witch burn him oh god mm -hmm. bye and on that note awkward that is awkward that is awkward <laughs> that is indeed awkward If you want to support this show, you can go to patreon.com slash skiffyandfanty or skiffyandfanty.com, our website, where you can get access to all of our fancy things. Our music comes from Holy Mole. You can support him and his work at patreon.com slash holy mole. Thank you for listening.